name of one God who creates, redeems, and sustains us. Amen. Amen. So, 10 o'clock. Welcome back inside. You've been patient, and we finally got here. That's a little bit different, and you still have to wear masks. We'll talk about how we'll do communion, but we're here. So, as an elementary school teacher, former elementary school teacher, when my friends get pregnant and we go to the baby shower, I generally refuse to buy anything off of the registry because I have a set of books that I like to give to everybody. And they're the books that I give. And, and so everybody gets chicka chicka boom boom. And then you, every now and then I do go for uh, don't let the pigeon drive the bus. But generally it tends to be Frederick is another standard. I know everybody else gives Eric Carl. So unless I think they aren't going to get Eric Carl. But the one that I also always give is Miss Rumpheus. Now, Miss Rumpheus, written by Barbara Cooney, who went to a college I might care a little bit about, but that's not why I like the book, though clearly she's brilliant. Um, so the book of Miss Rumpheus tells the story of a little girl who grows up with her grandfather. I'm curious, how many of you know the book, just before I retell the whole story? Ooh, goody, okay. So uh, the story is, is it's, a, it's a girl who grows up, I believe, with her grandfather, and he tells her there are three things she needs to do in her lifetime. She needs to travel the world, she needs to live by the sea, and then she needs to make the world a better place. So when she grows up, uh, she is fortunate enough to be able to travel the world, and she travels all over, and then somewhere in, like, India, she falls off of a camel or an elephant, and realizes it's now time to, to come back and, and start her life uh, as her career. So she comes back and she's a librarian by the sea and lives by the sea and has this great life. And as she gets older, she realizes she hasn't done anything to make the world a better place. So she orders a bushel of lupin seeds. Now, if you grew up in my family, my mother had like a little lupin meter, right? Like you could not drive up the 101 in March without getting a lupin report. There's, I'm, look at the lupin girls. And you're like, oh my God, the lupin, really mom? So this, this book has a special place in my heart because of the lupin reference. My sister and I would be like, here she goes with the lupin. So, but she takes lupin seed, orders bushel lupin seed, puts it in her pockets. And as she goes out on the trails, where she would walk in nature, she would just spread lupin seed. Now, all of the master gardeners are freaking out, saying, don't do that, because if it's not native, that is a very bad thing to do. <laughs> I'm just going to say it was native to where she was doing this. It's not. But imagine going along all of the trails in PV and spreading lupin seed, or whatever it may be, poppy seeds, as you went on your way. And then that winter, she gets sick and is in bed most of the time, and the kids miss her. And so when springtime comes, I think it's they come and they knock on her window or maybe on her door. And she gets herself out of bed to go see the kids and realizes when she does and looks outside that the hills are coated in pink and purple lupin blooming everywhere. 
and the world is a more beautiful place because of what she did. And this story came to mind as I read the parables today. Parables in Mark, they tend to be short, they're to the point, they tell you what's going to happen, they don't tell you how it's going to happen. They just say, this is, this is what it is. Man goes to bed, sows a seed, or he sows a seed, he goes to bed, he doesn't do anything, he doesn't create the roots, he doesn't tell the seed how to break open, he doesn't tell it how to rise up for the sun, he doesn't describe photosynthesis, and yet, all the same, the stalk of wheat grows, or his crop grows, and then he can harvest it. And then the second one is um, that, that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, and, and you spread the mustard plant, and it goes out. Now, the funny thing about the mustard plant is that would be like in Southern California, us saying we were going to sow dandelion seeds in our lawns, or we were going to sow poison oak seeds, you know, along the strand, right? Like there was hyperbole or satire, depending on who you want to read, on what Jesus was saying. Because you see in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus tends to work with the least likely suspects. Nobody would ever expect the mustard plant to be blessed, much less to be desired to be grown, much less to in turn provide shelter and food. But Jesus' point is that Jesus can work with any of us. Right? And so we have these parables today talking about what the kingdom of God is supposed to be like. And how is it that we are going to engage the spreading of the seed? I like these parables. They remind us that it's not us necessarily that makes everything come into fruition. It is God. And it happens in God's time, not in our time. But the call is clear that you and I are supposed to engage the bringing about of the kingdom of God, and not for our own gain, but so that like the mustard plant, we, the unlikely suspects that we are, can provide hospitality and shelter and food and care for all of God's creation. That's what we're called to do with these little seeds. And so as you go into this week, I want you to think about what seeds do you have in your pocket that you can sow when you walk out your front door? What are the seeds that you can sow when you're driving on the street or you're at the grocery store or you're walking on the strand or you're having family dinner? What are those seeds that you can sow so that you are doing your part to plant the seeds of the kingdom of God with us, with God's most unlikely suspects? So think about your seeds this week and be sure to sow them. Amen.